Welcome to Mindfully Sovereign, the podcast that invites you to reclaim your feminine self-authority and unleash the abundance within. My name is Safa, I am your host, and I'm here to help guide you past your limiting beliefs and into the heart of your unwavering and undeniable power. This podcast is all about reclaiming your feminine self-authority, learning the art of self-seduction, and awakening your inner goddess so that you can become an aligned match to your most abundant life yet. So grab a cup of tea, get cozy and get ready to become mindfully sovereign. Happy Monday and welcome back to Mindfully Sovereign. Uh, I'm so excited to dive into today's topic and while it was my intention to jump right into boundary setting, I have to say that this particular topic is going to weave all the pieces together that we've discussed so far about sovereignty and accountability, ownership, and taking up space and just bring them together in this really beautiful point of awareness. So allow me to deviate a little bit from the point of action that we had originally discussed, meaning the boundary work, and help you dive into the world of self-authority in a very different and unique way. This conversation we're going to have here is exceedingly important because it is almost like the missing piece, the missing link. It's one of the elements of sovereignty that we don't often talk about, but that can present itself in our day-to-day lives very consistently and through which we can very often lose our sense of self-authority or self-queenhood, if you want to call it that. That realm where we know exactly who we are, how to stand in our full power completely and with deep devotion and to show up from that place of power and embodied action. And what I'm talking about here is the two most pervasive yet often used tools to put you in a state of dis-ease, as in you're not feeling easeful anymore, so that you can be more easily manipulated. This is a couple of tools, or these are a couple of tools that often get utilized in marketing. We see these show up in cult-like environments, and we can definitely run across them when, when we are embedded in deeply toxic relationships. Take it from me, I know what I'm talking about. And the interesting bit about that is that often these are tools that we will weaponize against ourselves as well. So it's not just something that we find externally, but something that resides within ourselves that if we are not aware of, and if we don't take the time to sit with, heal, integrate, and understand, too often will be utilized by ourselves to put ourselves in a state of self-martyrization almost. It's like a self-castigating tool that we utilize very frequently and unfortunately which puts us in a state of mind where we feel like not only are we at the effect of the world around us, but also in a position where we lend too much weight, too much matter, too much importance to external factors, thereby losing connection with the importance of our own sovereignty, our self-reclamation, our embodiment, our ability to say, this is my worth, regardless of external factors, thoughts, ideas, judgments, people, etc. So if you are embarking even deeper into your healing journey, 
and you want to see really wonderful manifestations and changes, if you want to draw in that love of your life that you've been wanting for so long, and if you want to further your career, start that new job, or quantum leap to the next level in any capacity of your life, this is an important conversation for you to tune into. And it's a great practice for you to start becoming well-versed in. But enough teasing, allow me to dive deep into this conversation. I've said this for years and I probably will keep saying this until I am a blue in the face just from repeating it over and over again. But essentially, one of the deepest truths in this life that I have come across, whether it's in my personal life or with my clients, it is that anything that is trying to enslave you is going to first shame and or guilt you into submission, into thinking that you are not good enough, into believing that the answer is elsewhere instead of within your own system of intelligence, integrity, intuition, and inner knowing. And I want you to pause and think about that for a moment. Think back to a time in your life when or where you felt as if you were so completely riddled with shame and guilt around something that you ended up bending over backwards to either please the other person or feel some sense of relief for moving out of the situation or to somehow look or appear pleasing or appealing or tame or kind or good once again in your life. Think about what that felt like for you physically in your body. Did you feel a sense of constriction? Could you feel a sense of maybe tingling or prickling in your fingertips or down your spine? Maybe you experienced this more as a sense of embarrassment almost where your cheeks turned really bright red and your temperature seemed to rise all of a sudden. Whatever that physical sensation might have been, I want you to look back for a moment and identify the thoughts that also went along with it. For example, many of us were brought up in a space where purity culture was the pinnacle of everything that we had been taught about our worth, about who we were supposed to be in terms of like what we did in this world as human beings. And the manner in which we were to welcome treatment toward us based off this one element. Now, in my experience, purity culture doesn't just relate to whether you remained a virgin until you got married or not, but also it relates to your relationship to your food, for example, and the words that were utilized around it. How many times have you heard or seen advertisements for food that relate to it from a moral point of view? Say like, oh, this is sinfully good or so good you'd think you'd cheat or I don't know, something like that. Or wait for your cheat day to do this. It's so decadent. It's so like all of these words emulate some semblance of morality, implied morality around what that food is. When the food itself is absolutely neutral. and 100% we know 
that purity culture in the realm of the patriarchy or the patriarchal structure under which we have been raised and through the lens that we tend to look out and into the world around us because of it is very tainted with this idea that if you do something that is considered impure or unclean, you are no longer considered a worthwhile human being. In the case of the example with the food, we tend to belittle, berate, and even demonize ourselves when we have consumed something that we deem as sinful or bad. And so we will unconsciously say things like, oh, I'm going to have to run an extra mile tomorrow to make up for all of the turkey I had at Thanksgiving, or I can't believe I just ate that, I'm such a pig. Or I cannot have this food item at my house because I have no self-control and it will just be devoured in an hour and I will just feel like a pig after or I will be completely shamed by this. Do you see where I'm going with this? That idea of shame-filled interaction with our world and with ourselves is sneaky, it's pervasive, and it puts us in a state of dysregulation within our nervous system, within our minds, and within our souls, because we start relating to ourselves as dirty creatures, as things rather than beings who need to be able to learn how to check this one item on the list of boxes of things that we get told that we need to be and do and say, etc., in order to be considered worthwhile. And the same thing goes for the element of the example of whether you were a virgin or not when you got married. And I'll use myself as an example here just so that you know that you are not alone in this. And because I want you to understand this as a story rather than as something that you are going to immediately internalize and judge harshly within yourself. So I was brought up, as you know, religiously. And everything in my environment told me that my body basically was not my own. It was, it belonged to a higher being, a higher power. And not only that, but it belonged to the person I was going to marry. I was, of course, also told and taught that because my body belonged to someone else, there was only one thing that made me that precious and that valuable to the world around me and that if I even thought about misplacing or abusing or losing this thing, I would immediately be going to hell. I would be a disappointment to my future spouse. I would be the lowest of the low and I would have disappointed my highest power possible and I would have just become this heathen-like creature that deserved to go to hell. And I recognize that that is very strong language and that not everybody lived or grew up in a world or in a realm where these conversations were had at that degree. However, I also know that the society that we have created still does put a very heavy emphasis on this structure, so much so that a lot of the very, very toxic masculine people out there these days. And in fact, some of the very toxic feminine people out there who are waving flags of feminine and masculine without truly understanding energetics or polarity or duality outside of the scope of gendered 
patriarchal, misconstructed, misconstrued, vilifying structures within their own minds and therefore to their own appreciation for the rest of the world, that they are out there saying stuff like body counts matter. And it is complete bull. It is ludicrous and it is utilized specifically as a weapon against your psyche, your body, your mind, your spirit, because as I said earlier, anything that is trying to control or manipulate you will first shame and guilt you. Now I want you to go back to that moment in time, that space, that sensation, that word, that conversation, whatever it is that you can recognize as a point in time in your life where you felt such deep shame that you started second guessing who you were, what your worth was, what the value of your existence was in this realm of life. And I want you to notice What else this narrative, this internal narrative said to you about yourself in that moment? Did it say, oh, well, someone pointed out that, quote unquote, high valued women should not have a high body count. And therefore, now I feel like a total slut and I feel dirty and I feel used and I feel completely inadequate. And now I believe that I am no longer going to be able to find or attract or be with a partner who is high value, high quality, and my equal to share this life with just because I did this. And what that says to me about myself is that I'm awful. Is it maybe that? Is it that your perception of this shame-filled moment made you believe that failing was absolutely the worst thing in this entire world that you could possibly do? Was it a narrative that tied to the guilt and the shame that you felt around making a decision of not having children or not getting married or getting divorced? What was that conversation like? What did it feel like? What did it say? What were the exact words in that moment? And what was your response and your attitude toward the world around you after that? Because when we are honest with ourselves and we take a look at this global picture, What we start to notice is that in the first place, the second we feel shame about something, we feel inadequate. And that inadequacy very often makes us feel like we have something to prove to the rest of the world. You might have woken up very sure of yourself, but the second you felt ashamed about something, all of a sudden, oh, there's something I got to prove. I got to prove that I am not this loser. I got to prove that I can make 100K a year. I got to prove that whatever it is. It takes you down that path and it places you in a situation where everything and everyone outside of you suddenly have the upper hand. And not only do they have the upper hand, their thoughts, their views, their needs, their judgments of you take first place in your mind. Feeling ashamed is that button that marketers and salespeople know how to use and when to push in order to get you to make that purchase. That later, you're going to be walking down the street and going, oh my God, why did I do that? I didn't want to do this. 
I see it in every area. Like I've actually worked in so many different things, you guys. I used to rent cars for a while. I also was a personal assistant for a while. And I used to be around car dealerships. And of course, in the coaching world, I've seen this a lot. This area of shame and guilt is so used so consistently in order to make you basically crumble down and acquiesce to something that you don't want to do. It is ridiculous. Think about it for a moment and just recognize where you've seen this, where the language might have been very incognito, but at the end of the day, you're like, oh, okay, that made me feel kind of like an idiot. And therefore, the decision that I made after that was to purchase that thing or to talk to that person or what have you. In the dating world, and I don't know if this is something that is still being said quite in this way, but for a while there was this phenomenon where men specifically were told if you mistreated a woman or if you made her feel off kilter enough, like you knew something about her that was off, you had her basically eating out of the palm of your hand. It's awful, but it's true. A lot of these really insane cultists do the same. That's why so many of them have evidence of things or they'll keep like, do you remember the Nexium scandal? So those awful people, one of the ways, because this isn't also too, I have to say, I'm not an expert in cults and the psychology I have studied is not specifically around cults, but... Having been brought up in a religious structure that was very cult-like and then accidentally landing in other spaces that were very much cult-like and structured and cult-ish, and I'll tell you more about that in a second, I actually can recognize a lot of these things. And one of the things that is a consistent pattern is that thing. If they know that they can shame you in some way, whether it's with naked pictures that they store and therefore they extort you to not leave the group because, hey, I've got this evidence of you doing X, Y, Z. Or whether it is bringing you up to the front of a room to say something or asking you a question in such a way that makes you feel like the fool in front of a group of people. Or it's putting pressure on something that hurts, something very personal that you feel shameful about or that you feel guilty about. Like, oh, well, you haven't made time for your kids this week or you tend to run away from your responsibilities and so therefore you need to be made an example of in front of all of these people or even in private and you need to make good by and usually it's some some form of investment whether it's time or finance or something else these are tactics that get used continuously with ill intent because they are effective because the fastest way to get out of or to get someone to bend the knee so to speak is shaming them you make someone feel ashamed enough and they don't know very deeply and actually embody their understanding of themselves not just their worth but also their internal wounds their shadow aspects and the many parts of themselves that make up the being of who they are, the internal knee-jerk reaction is going to be for that person to want to stop the pain of the shame, the pain that comes from being shamed. And so usually the fastest way to do that is just to acquiesce. 
and say, yes, you are right. I had that piece of pie and therefore I am a horrible human being and I don't deserve to eat for the next week and I'm just going to sit here and look at my feet and do whatever it is that you want to say because you said that I ate that pie in front of my family and now I feel embarrassed because I gained weight and it just spirals out of control. And that's, of course, a very mild example. But you get the idea. And so when you think about the tools we've been discussing, the sovereignty, the self-authority, the ownership, the accountability, the ability to take up space in this world, when you look at them and when you learn to fall in love with them in such a way that they really become a part of the most beautiful love letter ever written to yourself, by yourself, for yourself, those tools have the capacity to be the thing that stoppers the bleeding of the shame-filled or guilt-filled wound. Because it's through those things becoming very deeply embodied within you that you can say, hey, you don't get to talk to me like this. And as a matter of fact, here is a boundary that I am creating to honor myself and to honor our relationship and to make it deeper and more lush and more abundant, should we choose to, that also opens up the line of communication for me to say, nope, that is not okay. I will not be spoken to this way because this and pulls you out of, extricates you from the knee-jerk reaction, from that reactive state that we tend to fall into too often when our power is being siphoned off. Having the ability to connect with yourself through these tools is what gives you that pause, that breath, that moment of, huh, something isn't quite right here. And I'm going to take a look at how much weight I'm putting on this external thing, whether it's a person, whether it's a belief, whether it's a system, a community, and to really take a look at where and how this is serving you in your life and to what degree and also when it isn't and when it's time to walk away. The deeper you learn to lean into your sovereignty, into your ownership, accountability, the more you learn how to take up space in the world, the more adept you will become at seeing this as, ah, you think that you can shame me into submission. Well, that's not going to happen. Sorry, not sorry. There's always going to be things in your life that you feel a little bit uncomfortable about. But if you learn how to have conversations with yourself about them and the stories that they tell you about you, they're not going to feel quite as sharp and they're not going to be such easy to access doorways for you to immediately give your power away and try to turn yourself into the smallest, most good girl version of yourself possible to be as invisible and as inconsequential as possible. We've had that conversation before, but this is like taking it further. When you learn to listen to every part of who you are deeply, sincerely, with devotion, with attention, with care, with understanding, and without judgment, things that feel shameful don't feel quite as life or death to your nervous system. You can see them as something that, oh, okay, that felt shameful. I'm curious about this. I want to explore it. I want to get to know it. I want to know what's in there and why. 
and then move to a place of strengthening from there rather than one of bended knee. I'm going to serve you however you want me to because I'm ashamed of what I just did. And it's the same with guilt. Now, guilt is also a very important part of who we are because it does open the door for humble presence and surrender and the ability for us to say, I have wronged you, I am sorry. So it's not as if guilt is awful and evil and you should never feel guilt in your entire life again. That's not what I'm saying. I'm actually not even saying that about shame either. What I'm saying is both of these are parts of normal life as a human being that we get to experience at a very heightened degree of discomfort that also offer us an opportunity to get to know ourselves and our shadows better so that we can then make a choice in our lives to show up from a place of authority, to show up from a place of strength, to show up from a place of integrity, to show up from a place of heart, to show up with true kindness instead of the reactive people pleasey parts of, oh, I'm just going to turn myself into the smallest version of myself so that you never ever get mad at me again. It's really important for us to get to know these, even in terms of our codependent relationships, if we have them. It's important in terms of attachment styles and how we choose to see the world just based on the things that we've experienced from a very early age to wherever we are now and what we've learned along the way through our healing practices. Spotting them is important. Recognizing what they feel like and the narratives that they say to you is twice as important because that's what opens the door. That marks the difference between being in a room where someone is trying to gaslight you in front of many people, which I've actually experienced and it's uncomfortable and it's awful and it's just sickening, and just kind of like sitting there and letting it happen versus recognizing it. In making a decision about what you are going to do from a place of strength and authority in your life and how you are going to show up for yourself from that point on. You may choose to speak up. You may choose to simply walk away and never engage again. You may choose a number of things. But the first step is recognizing, hey, this area right here, this is shame. This is guilt. They feel differently. One feels like this and it tells me this. And one feels like this and it tells me this. And in this moment, this feels completely out of integrity. And I can see how this is being utilized as a tool to make me submit to someone else's thoughts, to someone else's belief systems, to someone else's judgments of me and who I'm quote unquote supposed to be in their view, in their eyes. And I'm not going to stand by that. I am going to X, Y, Z. And because I know that this conversation is just so varied and it has so many different elements, I do want to share with you something very interesting. I was having a conversation with one of my close friends the other day and I recognized, I I just looked up at her and I said, holy crap, I've actually been in more than one cult-like structure and space in my life. And I was taken aback and I laughed because it wasn't as if... I had just willingly gone seeking like one cult to the next. It just happened that the structures that I was in, I was led to 
with very good intentions of deepening my healing, of understanding myself better, of moving past really, really deeply ingrained old wounds in my psyche and my heart and my body. And it just so happened that I started becoming better at recognizing exactly what I am telling you about, that weaponized guilt and shame as a marker of a place where manipulation is utilized to keep you underfoot. And so the example for this is, is a little over a decade ago, I'd say about 14 years ago or so, I was actually working for this company that kindly paid for us to get healthy. You know, if we wanted to go to the gym or if we wanted to take yoga classes, whatever it was, the company paid for it. I thought it was really great. And there was, at the time, very few yoga studios where I lived. And this is back in, like, Cyprus a while ago. There really was very few alternatives. And one of the places that I came across called itself a yoga place, but it really wasn't. It was more like... Uh, tai Chi or Qigong type space, but they loved using the word yoga because yoga sells. It sells a lot of money, right? So I went in there and they allowed me to sit through a class. Well, first what they did was they sat with me one-on-one and they did sort of an energetic reading, which of course I'm all about. I've been doing Reiki since I was in middle school, so I was very into this. And they said, okay, well, this is what's causing this imbalance. This is what's causing that. And we can definitely help you. This is the deal. So if you want to join us, we have this package. And this package costs this many thousand dollars. And it includes this and this. And you can come as many times as you want. It was like this whole thing. And think because my company was offering to pay for fitness-related stuff, I was like, oh, let me talk to them and see if they approve. This sounds like fun. After all, I've never been the sports kind of person. I'm always like that rock climbing yoga kind of person. Um, Only recently did I ever get into like weightlifting or running. But up until that point in my life, you get the idea. So I went back and I told the boss that I was working for and she said, yes, absolutely. In fact, I've gone there, not to that particular studio, but somewhere else. And I love them and I believe that I healed so much in my life because of it. It's going to be great. And so I did and I was very excited and I learned a lot of really wonderful things along the way. I spent a lot of time talking to the teachers that were there and the community seemed very close-knit and it was fun. I really enjoyed myself. I enjoyed moving my body and I could tell that there were things being healed at a somatic level that I was very excited about. Things that I hadn't even began to touch when I was trying to go to therapy or counseling. So this was very exciting for me. And I even got my very first yoga teacher training through this particular studio. This was something that was very exciting. And again, the boss of the company that I was working for, she was very excited because she was like, oh, okay, great. If you get certified, then you can actually teach that here and we can have you teach during lunch. And it was me and this other guy. And we both signed up for the teacher training. And it was trippy. It was insane. I remember there was a point during the training where we would stand across from another person and we would scream at each other the most painful wounds that we were carrying internally. So if you were someone who felt not good enough, the person in front of you would scream at you, you're not good enough. And it was so intense that 
the yelling was meant to bring you to your knees and crumble you up into a ball. It was so traumatizing. I'm talking about this and I'm looking back and I'm like, what in the actual fuck? And at that particular point in time, I didn't recognize this as a tactic because think about it. How much more obviously shamed can you be? I don't think it gets much. I mean, I'm sure it could, goodness, but I don't want to think about it getting much, much worse than that. So yeah, that was a very intense. And I remember both myself and the other person that I, I was there with, we left the training and we were like, well, that was an experience. A lot of healing did happen, but it's kind of one of those things where these spaces and these people, they like to hide a little bit of like a speck of gold in the pile heap of dung. And because you really just want to focus on the gold in your hands, you kind of try not to think about all the dung that was piled on top of you. Make sense? So we left both of us like, oh my gosh, well, we did learn a lot. We grew a lot. We healed a lot. And everything else we just don't talk about. So we got certified and I started teaching. And I remember I was already feeling my internal system tell me this is not what you thought it was, that was wrong, leave, you know, why stop, this is dangerous. And I was already in that conversation and I was kind of doing a little bit of research on Google. This is before Google was quite as prevalent as it is now. And like, so I was doing some research, but there wasn't too much information yet until a month after what I'm about to tell you about. So I want to say about a month after the teacher training, and yeah, maybe about a month or so, the person who started this whole quote unquote yoga group, they were supposed to be going to the city where I was living and do this whole conference. Everybody was so excited. And, you know, my work was like, oh, you're going to go because the teacher training and I want you to keep studying because you're teaching here at the office where we're doing things and it's going to be great. Blah, blah. OK, so I was paid for I was going to go. And the day that the conference was supposed to be happening, it started like deluge. It was a major deluge in the city. And at the time I was driving a very, very small, low to the ground kind of car. I had one of those boxy scions. So I'm driving my scion and I already know the streets are getting flooded. I'm not going to make it through. And I'm trying to find as many different alternate routes as possible to get to this event. And I'm already feeling like, look, if universe is trying this hard for me not to go, then I really shouldn't go. This doesn't feel right. Something about this tells me that I should not be there today. Something is off. So I remember calling my teacher and telling them this, exactly what I just told you. Hey, it doesn't feel right. I feel like I'm not meant to be there. I know it's going to be great. You have a great time, but I'm not going to risk it. This just doesn't feel, it's not sitting well with me. My intuition tells me something is up. And, and you would have thought that I slapped them across the face or spat on their faces they lost their minds and when i tell you that they immediately went into shame mode oof that was the second that i was like i am done with this so i remember going back into the office and saying hey i didn't make the training i'm gonna quit it, something felt really weird about it i'm just done there was a lot of disappointment from the boss but also too i had already got my certification. So it was like, fine, just keep teaching at lunch or whatever. No big deal. And about a day or two after that, when I was Googling, remember me telling you I was trying to go on Google and find things? I found one article that said 
this particular community that were calling themselves yoga. It wasn't just yoga, by the way, but I'm trying not to use the full name. They were being sued by a group of people because they were claiming that they lost their loved ones to this community because they were a cult. And I was like, ah, oh my God, that makes so much sense. What the hell is this? But I just knew. And, and that was one of the biggest moments in my life where I was like, damn, I should have known because I experienced this at church and I experienced this here. And then I would go on to experience it another couple of times because look, life moves in cycles. And whenever we're healing, we're always moving up a spiral staircase. And sometimes we're going to think that we went through the same step but it's a different one, just on a different rung. So I'm thinking this and I'm like, man, I should have known I, I should have recognized that shaming, guilting thing as the ultimate marker for this thing. And that was definitely something I saw in my toxic relationship with my ex. Anything that had to do with control always boiled down to, oh, I know exactly what button to push on Safa because she's going to feel ashamed and guilty about this. So I'm going to push it. And then, of course, I would comply like a good little soldier and shut up and acquiesce. And so it's that kind of thing that we want to really start becoming very present to. Will you feel embarrassed or ashamed if you, you know, your dress falls down or your top falls down and you, you know, expose yourself to the world? Yes. Will you feel guilty if you had a very harsh conversation with someone that you love and you know that you probably said some things you shouldn't have? Yes. And those are healthy aspects of these elements in our lives. What I want you to be present with, though, is the follow-up when these things show up. The integrity of where and how these things are being presented to us in our lives and how they're being utilized and your own power and your own authority in the midst of it all when it shows up from a place of ill intent. So that next time you go to the dealership and that guy tries to make you feel two inches tall by saying something demeaning or acting as if you don't know what you're talking about because you're a sweet little girl who knows nothing about cars, you can simply walk away. Or when you're noticing that this is being a tool that is utilized, for example, in the workplace, weaponized against others and yourself, you can stand up and say this is not okay. What I want you to do is find that space of leadership within you that is so very much a part of your sovereignty that you are going to see these things show up in your life and without crumbling underneath the weight of the discomfort, you are going to show up for yourself, stand up for yourself, speak your truth, be in integrity and say no, create healthy boundaries, cut away toxic people pattern situations from your life that don't need to be there and recognize when something is trying to enslave you because you do not belong in chains. You are the most magnificent being on this planet and you are worthy and deserving of love and abundance and fulfillment and joy and everything good in this life. You deserve much better. You are a sovereign of and in your life and if you want to build intimacy and you want to create healthy boundaries and if you want to reach those goals in your career or in your 
relationships, in your family, whatever it is that you want to do, the best thing you can do for yourself is learn how to wear that crown with strength, with presence, with awareness, with mindfulness, with joy, with delight, with devotion, with integrity, with passion, so that when things like this show up, you can spot them and shine as the ultimate authority in your life rather than feeling like you have to be at the effect of. So I want you to think about that one more time. What is like a time in your life that it's just so clear, so vivid in your mind, in your body, in every part of your cell structure, cellular structure that you feel like, oh, I was so ashamed. And then I responded like this. And the story I told myself about myself in that moment was this. And the repercussions were this. Go back to that moment and then visualize yourself in that moment sitting on your throne with your crown high up on your head and acting from a place of sovereignty instead. What would that have changed? What would that have looked like? And proactively, what does it change for you in this moment? In other words, what does the conversation sound like, feel like, and look like now? And have that conversation with yourself then and now. It's like you're visualizing yourself at five or six or 10 years old or whenever it was that you were told whatever this thing was. And you're telling yourself at that age, but you, you as the bigger capital Y, you, you're telling yourself the truth of the situation and you're showing up for yourself from a place of self-importance instead. What would that look like? What would you tell yourself? What do you want the narrative to be from now on? Because you can completely change that for yourself in this moment. And it is so healing. It's also a great opportunity for you to love on yourself and be kind to and with yourself and say, I understand this felt awful. And this was the response we knew to use. That's good. It's good. It was, it was, we did the best that we could with the information that we had at that time. And now we've got more tools at our disposal and we get to do this instead. And just feel into that and see how different it is. What if knowing that you showed up to your next business meeting or your next date, knowing that you have the certainty within yourself to show up for yourself in such a way that if some douche nuzzle wants to make you feel less than by pointing something inconsequential or stupid or untrue out about you to you, you're just going to laugh and walk away. I know people who are like beautiful inside and out who've gone on dates and the date proceeds to tell them that they need plastic surgery or that if they really wanted, you know, a man, that they would do this, that, and the other. How skeevy. That is using shame in order to try and enslave someone. It is gross. It is beneath you. And frankly, you can and you will see right through it if you choose to understand where it comes from in your life 
and the narratives it tells. And it's something that takes time. It's not going to happen just in the blink of an eye. A lot of times we do need someone to help us become masterful of this art form. The great artists of the Renaissance had teachers who also had teachers who had teachers and so on and so forth. Think about it that way. So if you need someone who's going to be there and is going to guide you as you learn to become the most masterful artist of your life so that you can wear that crown with pride and recognize these things and never bend a knee to anything or anyone outside of yourself, then don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to look for that support system. You want to work with me? You know where to find me info at yoursoulfulgoddess.com or on Instagram at yoursoulfulgoddess. And there are many other ways to get to do this work. So if you're interested, then seek, seek it out and know that this is something that you can 100,000% master in your life and it's going to feel so much better. There won't be that whole dynamic and you will be able to break those chains free. And when you do and you wear that crown high up on your head, the whole world is going to notice. And it's going to make a big difference. So I leave you with that. And I look forward to seeing you on Friday. Oh, I cannot wait to hear your insights. If you have any specific questions, bring them to me then. If you're shy and you don't like going on social media to have the conversations, email me or DM me. Again, you know where to find me. And if you want me to further this conversation on another podcast, then let me know as well. I am always here to listen and have these conversations with you. So reach out. You know where to find me. And if you know that someone would benefit from this, then send them this episode. But for now, I leave you with all of this to just be integrated. And I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. I will talk to you again on the next episode.